Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, hey, we're going to do so. We're going to jump back into the book of Revelation. You know, we've been in the Revelation as been our series has been. And uh, going to be over in the Revelation chapter 2. Uh, as we look together here in the Word of God. And, uh, you know, the last few churches that we looked at, Jesus was speaking to them and uh, in the first part of Revelation. They, they really had their challenges. They faced some things that kind of hit them, and uh, they, some of them were strong, and they had some strong areas. You know how it is for us as people, right? We have some strong areas, some weaker areas, and that's the way it was with the, for the church. And so like Pergamum, they faced uh, some tremendous external pressures, and uh, then Thyatira is the local church that we're going to look at now. You know, you can say that ten times, I dare you, right? And then I have to speak it up here, right? Uh, uh, so, but, but uh, this local church, uh, they are in this town. They have some serious divisions, some problems, some, some real challenges uh, in their lives. And, and there is sin in the house, and Jesus is talking to them, uh, to these believers who follow them, and those who are doing kind of doing their own thing, right? They're just kind of hanging out. And, but Jesus identifies himself to them, as he's talking, uh, as the Son of God, whose eyes are burning uh, like, or like blazing fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. Now, that's bright, right? It's shine. Have you ever seen something brass is really shiny and on fire? And, and the way Jesus identifies himself, it, it really does uh, show the significance of his words that he is going to bring out in the Apostle John. He, he's recording this and writing it down. This, this church isn't really facing all these outside pressures like some of the others, but it's more of the internal pressures. And Thyatira has some uh, great uh, attributes, but they also have some major troubles too. So we're going to look at this passage with an open heart. You know, whenever we come to the Word of God, we do need to have that, our hearts open to allow the Lord to speak into our lives as individuals and I also as a body too. So we say, Lord, are there any of these things in my life? And how can I walk through this? You know, we talk about internal pressure. Uh, but internal pressure kind of reminds me of, uh, uh, of a steam-driven power plant, which seems, you say, some of you guys say, yeah, sure, it does for you. Uh, but anyhow, you, you think of that over in, across the river and uh, in the in the Missouri side over at Itan near West in Missouri, about 10 years ago, there were, they have a big coal power plant and there was a serious accident there at Itan. And one of my parents' friends actually worked for them off and on over the years and he was a boiler maker. And so uh, he worked in all that kind of business. And, and these, this, this plant has some huge pipes and some of them are like 30 inches in diameter and they, uh, they, they hold uh, they're a conduit for a high-pressure, high-intensity steam that goes through, and, uh, and it runs these turbines that generate electricity. And we, we get to celebrate and enjoy electricity because of things like that, right? And, and so these guys have that, but one of their steel pipes built so much pressure inside. You know, they can handle so much and are tested for so much, but it built so much pressure that it exploded about 10 years ago. And some people were injured, hurt, and, 
See, internal pressure can be useful in a steam system, right? You, you run it through there, and it spins those turbines, gives us electricity, does those kind of things. Uh, but but if, we, if the pressure gets too high, if they can't control it, or if they don't control it well, th then things are going to come apart. And that's what happened for them. And some kinds of pressure are even good for us in the body of Christ. Some kinds of pressure are good for us in our lives as individuals. But... But, but, but in the case of the church at Thyatira, the pressures they faced were their own. They, it's like they were playing with fire. And uh, they, were, they, were, they weren't controlling things, and, and things were coming out of control for them, and the Lord was really giving them a warning. So let's look together here in uh, Revelation chapter 2 together, starting in verse 18. And, and the apostle writes the message that Jesus Gives It says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And he says in verse 19 here, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Things are, are moving along, right? He's saying, and in verse 20, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate... That woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, uh, by her teaching she misleads servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. And, and verse 21 he says, and I, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So he's trying to get things corrected. And in verse 22 it says, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer, her suffer with her su uh, suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Now you got to look at this, and we'll talk about that later, so don't get too all worried about that. But then he says, Then all the churches will know what I, uh, that I am he who searches the hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. So he's talking to the church, and th there in verse 24, we'll look at this passage, and he says, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, right? I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. Hang on. Hang on to what you have. Hang on to the good things. And then he says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule, that one will rule with them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We always need to keep our hearts open when we read the Word of God and when we allow Him to speak into our lives. So we're going to look at several things here this morning. The first part of that is He, he tells them, look guys, I, I know your deeds, I know your actions, how, how you live, and he's, I know your faith, uh, your faithfulness, your faith, your love, your service, your perseverance. He, he said, I know those things. Why? Well, he sees our lives, right? He Actually, He sees us better than what we see ourselves, doesn't He? He knows us better, and sometimes we think we know ourselves, but we don't always know ourselves as well uh, as, as uh, God does know us. Now, Thyatira, this town was about 35 miles uh, east of, uh, or southeast of Pergamum. It was a minor city. It was known for textiles and their industry, and 
we find that the Apostle Paul even, he engages someone at, uh, at Philippi named Lydia, and she was a dealer of pur purple fabri fabric that come from this town, and several inscriptions uh, from ancient times mention different trade gr uh, guilds they had, kind of like unions, if you want to say, and uh, the, the things like uh, bakers, potters, tanners, and coppersmiths there at, there at uh, Thyatira. So the textile industry was a big thing. It's where they, they made wool. They had wool mer merchants. They had dyers, those guys that dyed the stuff, and linen workers. But, and their, their purple dye was obtained from the murex shell. It was loved by many people, and so they, they really boosted their economy. Now that city, the original city, it's gone. We don't know a lot of other stuff about it. And you guys are probably saying, well, I don't want to know anymore anyway. Uh, but, but here, you know, this was, it was a city of in, industry. It was a, it was a, a lot of blue-collar people that where they were, uh, had factories and they were working and living. And these were people that provided the goods and services so people could enjoy their lifestyles. And, and, but, but even uh, it made them some good money, too. Really, you could kind of compare it to us here in Topeka, right? We have different factories, uh, quite a few different factories as we uh, provide goods and services to our world and our, our part of the region. But the, we see a few things here. Their, their love and their love manifests itself in service. He says in verse 19 there, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. So it's kind of clear here that the, the believers love the Lord. They're serving him in, in whatever they, way they can. They're, they're finding ways to be able to serve the Lord. And uh, they show their love by their service. And people show uh, care in different ways. You know, we all do. Everybody has a different way of how they show care. And this church had the, the love language of serving. That's what they did. And so they were rich in love and faith and, and service. And we don't know all the ways they were serving others, but it wouldn't be surprising to find them caring for those in need. And uh, that should be uh, something that, that we uh, hold into our lives as well. And even though it was a strong economy from the textiles and early manufacturing, they likely still had those in need. Even for us in the city of Topeka, you know, we still have uh, the factories that we do and the businesses that we do, and, and we're even a capital city. But, uh, but even then, we're still a very strong uh, blue-collar community, and we still have those in need. But for those in Thyatira, they, they are still under Roman rule. They still would have had to be, they'd been forced to uh, do the emperor worship thing, which believers, followers of Jesus, wouldn't do that, and it would have put them in financial constraints because of that. And Jesus has a few good things to say about the church, though. He, said, uh, he, he says some good things to that their faithfulness is really revealed in perseverance during trial. And it's important for us as followers of Jesus in the world that we live in now to be, to be people who are willing to persevere, to stick it out. Because times aren't always easy, right? That's just life. And if you live long enough, you know, you know, sometimes we talk about people will say the good old days. And then if you really think about it, the good old days weren't always all that good, right? It's just that kind of we have maybe have a sentimental uh, idea about the past. But, but the reality is, is sometimes things aren't always easy. And so we persevere 
Uh, and not, not only do some of these believers serve and show their love, but these guys were faithful to the Lord. They showed their faithfulness by perseverance, by sticking it out. Jesus knew his people. He knew them. Uh, and we, we, we know he does. It, it makes me think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, uh, uh, he was writing uh, to the Thessalonians and their, and their church. And over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, should be on the screen for you. Uh, uh, Paul, the Paul writes to them and he, and he says this to them. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. See, your work comes from faith, doesn't it? And then he says, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see why our mission is love God, love people, inspire hope? I mean, I mean that's part, that should be part of our lives. That should not only be a slogan that we have at church or something that we, we just think, hey, that's a cool thing to say. No, it needs to be something that's working in our lives as individuals, as, as families, as a community, because we can have, see the world impacted by the grace of God. So, you know, that, this really was Paul's prayer for the church in Thessalonica. And what's great here is how... How, how, uh, is to see how these attributes came from, uh, from inside of their lives. Their work came from faith, their labor came from love, and their endurance sprang from that hope that they had in Jesus. Uh, and you can, you can let that be a pattern in your life. You know, I think we have to ask ourselves at times, uh, and we should ask ourselves uh, not what can we get by with, but what can we do? How can we serve the Lord to the fullest? Not always, you know, not always some easy questions we have to ask ourselves. Uh, not just uh, what godly patterns are you building in your life? You may have to think about that for just a moment. What godly patterns are you building in your life? Because we all need to be building some godly patterns. They're not just a prayer and Bible reading. Those are important, right? We know that, right? Because we know that with a prayer and Bible reading, we're able to stay close to our Lord, stay on track. Those kind of things are important. But, but what other things? What other things are you building in your life as you, as you yield to the Lord? So here, the, their present situation reflects outstanding progress. They, they were seeing some progress. And Jesus says here, you are now doing more than you did at first. Now, so you can see that two different ways, right? Some people say, yeah, I'm doing more than I did at first. I feel burdened. Well, remember, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest is an important part of our lives. It's an important cycle that we need to have in our lives. And, and, and we can see here uh, the, the, the believers at Thyatira who are spiritually weak have grown stronger than ever. And they grew in their faith. They grew in what they did. They grew in their deeds and their work. And it may not have been immediate, but it happened as they yielded themselves to Christ. And we need to be those who yield ourselves to him. When we think about uh, or, uh, uh, perseverance, I, I think of Albert Einstein. You know, Albert Einstein, you know, this, this guy is, is amazing, right? Amazing scientist as he was. But, 
But, you know, when he was young and in high school, his parents were worried about him because he didn't seem to do very well. In fact, the only thing he seemed to do very good at was mathematics and even had one of his teachers to say to him, you know, buddy, you just need to drop out. Uh, and that was Albert Einstein. Yet that guy tended to persevere and didn't stop. And he became this great scientist because of that. And so many followers of Jesus have become strong in their faith and service. And so can you as you persevere. Perseverance is an important part of our lives. You know, you think about a plant for a second. If you have a plant, I don't know if you have a green thumb or not. My thumb is not green by any means. Uh, and so uh, don't give me a plant if you want to keep it alive, right? Uh, but, but I know at least if you're going to make a, a plant grow and if it's going to be sustained, it has to have what? Light? It has to have water and you probably need some fertilizer. Some of those things to, to, to let that thing grow and so it can do photosynthesis and all that kind of stuff. And it's important. And so that makes me ask this question. Are you positioning yourself to grow spiritually? Are you positioning yourself to grow spiritually? That, that's an important question we must ask because if we don't position ourselves, if we don't put that plant in the right place, if we don't put it near the window or give it the right kind of lighting, the thing's not going to grow. It's not going to produce that, that photosynthesis. It's not going to work, right? And if you don't put some water in it, the thing's not going to grow because it doesn't, have, it doesn't have that nourishing minerals and the stuff that comes in water. I don't know what it is. If you're a scientist, you can tell me later. But, but, but I just know it has to have those things. Are you positioning yourself to grow spiritually? See, there, there was a severe problem with the leaders uh, that uh, uh, what they allowed there in the church of Thyatira. And, and Jesus, because Jesus said some things about that. And he said, I have this against you. Uh, and he said, you tolerate Jezebel. And you see it there in verse 20. And it may not really be the person's name. Uh, they may just simply be referring, it, it may be that they're referring uh, to Jezebel from the Old Testament. We'll talk about that. But he says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching. She, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. So this supposed Christian woman at Thyatira claimed to be a prophetess gifted by the Holy Spirit, but she must have she must have been elevated to, uh, to prominence because of her gifts, but, but only a small majority saw through her deception. They knew something wasn't right. They, they had a check in their spirit or something, and, and the rest either followed her or just simply ignored her views without objecting to her presence there uh, and how she handled things. And so in order, in order to expose her true character, the, she's labeled Jezebel. And if you, if you know the Old Testament side of that, Jezebel was, a, uh, was the wife of, she was a Canaanite wife of Israel's King Ahab, and he wasn't too nice of a guy either. And Jezebel not only led Ahab to worship uh, Baal, but also or Baal, but also through Ahab, uh, she had broadcast her teaching of idolatry, uh, idolatry throughout all of Israel, so she was really causing some problems among the people of God in the Old Testament. So now we've got something happening here. Jesus' verdict 
reveals the congregation had allowed a woman, false prophetess, to remain in the church and to continue to instill in the people to indulge in sexual immorality, eating food, sacrifice to idols. She, she deceived some of them in that local church, and, and her teaching was no doubt similar to what the Nicolaitans, if you, if you followed in the last uh, few services, uh, what I talked about, and, and some of the others like at, uh, Ephesus and Pergamum. But let me, let me touch on this part of e eating sacrificial food to idols. This is really, in some sense, this is still very real today. It takes on different kinds of uh, things from different people. But the Apostle Paul said something to the church in the book of Romans over in chapter 14. In chapter 14, verse 23, he said, But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. In other words, not eat any food, but food sacrificed to idols. Because their eating is not from faith, and, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. That, that's a reminder to us as followers of Jesus to make sure that we keep our hearts in the right place. Uh, and it's a major spiritual pr a principle, and if we personally feel uneasy about doing something and we kind of feel it may be wrong, we should stay away from it if it's sin to us. Uh, we, we don't tend to directly worship idols, although some do, we know that. And basically, it's taking part in something that pulls us away from God or takes the place of God in our lives. And it, it can be a relationship, it could be food, it could be activity. There, you know, there's so many things we can sit here and say all the don'ts, right? But that's important for us to, all, uh, to know in our hearts the right path to walk, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives so we can live out our lives. Not for me just to get up here and say all the don'ts. The genuine gift we see here uh, in this, uh, in this uh, setting with, uh, in the book of Revelation, the genuine gift of prophecy was highly respected in the Old Testament, even before the New. And uh, the early church uh, uh, saw how important it was. And even today, when a person gives a prophetic word, it should be in order and in line with the Scripture. It needs to line up with God's word. And there, there's no question that this woman Jezebel ends up being a problem. Uh, we don't know all the details. We just know what, what Jesus says to the church in, in Revelation. But she, she must have been prominent and, and she misled people. And only a few figured out that she was bogus. I, I don't know if you've ever met a person like that, man or woman. It could be either or. And, and I remember a leader in a church years ago that fell off into some false teaching and was pulled, uh, pulling others along the same kind of line. And that person is, will be held responsible to the Lord. That's just a reality. Uh, the last I heard, that person was no longer serving the Lord. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, it's, it's important for us to recognize that we are all held responsible to the Lord, Right? Each of us. And God's not mean. He's not like that mean ogre up in the sky that's waiting for us to step out of line, like I've said, and wants to whack us on the head. God's not that way. Usually he is trying to say, hey, come on, guys. Come closer to me. And yeah, you're probably going to have to turn away from that stuff, but turn towards me because I do love you and I do care for you. And I do want to work something out in your life. We know for us as teachers and influencers, we, we will all stand before God. And the interesting thing is, is that influencers are people in general. You are an influencer. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a leader. I'm not an educator. The fact is, is you're a human being. More than likely, if there's anybody else around you at all, 
you're an influencer. It's just a reality. And so because of that, we have to consider what we say and do as followers of Jesus. Uh, we must not be naive about those who say they're giving a word from God if it doesn't line up with Scripture. And when the, when the Lord gives us a, a, a word to his people, it will come to pass. It, it, it should be for edification, exhortation. It should be for comfort. Uh, we should know that in our spirits as followers of Jesus. Now let's look, look at what he says here, the, kind of the third part of this. Jezebel and her followers are going to be judged. He kind of says it there in verse 21. He says, I, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. And so I'll cast her on a bed of suffering. And, uh, and so that uh, unless they repent of their ways, the, the others that are following with her are, are going to be on the same kind of situation. He said, I, I will strike her children dead. And, and, you know, we can't get too shook up about that. We understand that there's something going on there. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, but uh, and he says, I am he who searches hearts and minds. And he'll repay us according to our deeds. But, you know, Christ's verdict here it continues with his strongest accusation dress, uh, directed not against uh, Jezebel's perversion, although it was serious from what he says, or, nor was it against her deception of believers, but it was against her refusal to repent. In other words, she, she needed to make some change, and she had that opportunity to make change, right? And that's, that's what he's kind of saying to her. You, you have that time. I'm trying to give you that time, but you have to be willing to turn back to me. It was bad enough that Jezebel was leading others astray, but it was worse that she was not willing to turn back to God. You know, we never want to be in that kind of place. We always want to keep our, keep our hearts soft before the Lord so that he can speak into our lives and help us to guide us back to him because we do walk through life don't we and when we walk through life we face some challenging things at times not always easy but we know that he is with us and so he's going to show his grace to us and reach out to us so that we will then turn and reach out to him so for those who will follow Jezebel and refuse to repent, they're, they're going to face some consequences. He said, I, I will strike her children dead, and this may be a Hebrew idiom. They're not 100% sure, but they think it may be a, a Hebrew idiom that, or a saying that means pestilence. And the Lord seems to be referring to Jezebel's followers who accept her teachings, so and not necessarily kids, but those that, that are her kids, so to speak, in the sense of their, their, she's teaching them. And so the Lord is walking among his churches here in Revelation. He, he's engaging his churches. He's talking to them, and he, he's trying to help them. He corrects evil, but he also offers freedom, and he offers forgiveness to those who have fallen if they repent and stop doing the Jezebel's deeds. So judgment comes as, as a consequence to the action or attitude of a person. You know, I, think, I know we live in the world that talks about judgment in a different way, and a lot of times I think it's a misunderstanding. They need to understand what Scripture says about that. And we, here we realize that just like in the Old Testament, there's an element of judgment, even though God is a gracious, loving God. And He's still a gracious, loving God, even though He judges. Just like His parents, we have to make decisions, right? We have to make decisions if, if we're going to put a uh, little... Uh, 
Tommy in timeout or what we're going to do because of how they act to try to guide them down the right pathway. And that's why God gives people a chance to turn away from their sin. He does that because he loves us and because he cares for us. Isn't that why the Apostle Paul wrote that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly? Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with W.C. Fields from many years gone by, but uh, this guy, he, uh, uh, he was an actor, and uh, a friend visited Fields' hospital room, and he was surprised to see him thumbing through a Bible. And he asked him what he was doing with the Bible, and Field res uh, responds, he said, I I'm looking for loopholes. Well, well, okay, buddy, but, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully W.C. Fields uh, found the right path, and we know that the great uh, loophole in the Bible is faith in Christ with repentance. It's what it is. It's that turning towards God and trusting in G what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Jesus, and we see here in this passage, he, Jesus has kind of finished dealing with Jezebel and, uh, and her people, and he turns back to some of the others. He talks now, he's kind of talking to those who weren't compromisers, those who, who were not compromising. They were saying, we're going to stick it out. And, and what does he say in verses 24 and 25 there? He's like he's saying, hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on persevere, stick it out, it doesn't matter what you face, hold on to what you have until I come. Jesus not only commanded the church at Thyatira, uh, 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 they, had, they had this minority of people inside who had uh, uh, noticed, they had enough insight to figure out that this Jezebel person was a deceiver, and Jesus encourages them to hold on tight to what they have and hang on to God's grace until the end. doesn't mean we're barely going to make it. No, but it means that we hold tightly to the good things that God has given to us. And don't let them go to the wayside. Do you have something good that God has given to you? And maybe you forgot about it. Do you have something good that God has provided or done in your life? Maybe there was something he did in your past. Maybe, may, maybe he did something for you that you were just so surprised and you just maybe forgot about it till now. My friend, hold on to that and thank God for what he's done. And you may say, you know what, I, I, I don't remember any good thing that God has done. You may step back a little bit and allow the Lord to speak into your life because I just imagine that there is something he's done for you. The fact that we're here today for many is a victory. It's a victory. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your deeds. Hold on to those things that God has done for you. We, we need to be able to hold on because times come along that we face tough times and then we say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but, but we have to trust in him and we have to look to him and know that he is with us. He will not leave us or forsake us. He will not let us just go to the wayside and ignore us. He won't kick you to the curb. Sometimes people think that they've been kicked to the curb, but the fact is, is you have not been kicked to the curb. You're still here and he still loves you and he still is concerned for you and he wants to work in your life. 
Let's look at the fifth thing here. He said, how did we get number five? I didn't even know what number three was. Well, anyhow, I got five down. And so Jesus gives the faithful a double promise. He gives them a double promise here in verses 26 to 28. And you can look at it for yourself. But, but first, Jesus gives the, the promise to rule over nations. He says, to, to him who overcomes, that could be to her who overcomes, uh, and does my will to the end. Jesus kind of tags on that extra. He, he did not add this to the other churches. Although we do, we see it in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus said, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Stand firm, my friends. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. And Revelation is plain that those who walk with Christ to the end will rule the nations in the, in the thousand-year reign of Christ. It's a messianic promise. It'll, it's going to be fulfilled. How this plays out is up to the Lord. How he works all those details out, I'm not even worried about because I know it's his stuff, his time. He's going to work those things out. But what we have to do is to stick, out, stick it out with him till the end and allow him to work in our lives. That's the first of the promise. The second part of it is, is Jesus gives the promise of the morning star. And here we see that those who overcome will receive this great morning star, none other than Christ himself. The one who will give eternal life. Just like we see in Revelation 22, verse 16. You know, this may also refer to the resurrection in the sense that the morning star rises over the darkness of this world's troubles and offers victory. Offers victory to us. That's important for us, friends. We have hope for our future. We may, we may, not, be, we're not, may not be sure about tomorrow, but we can have hope for the future in Christ because he has our back and he walks with us and he cares for us. Listen, listen to what uh, Booker T. Washington describes. He, he, he writes in a, in a book that he made up from slavery and, and he talks about meeting an ex-slave from Virginia. And, and he said... Uh, he said, I found that this man had made a contract with his master two or three years before the Emancipation Proclamation and that he could buy himself by paying so much per year for his body and while he was paying for himself, he was to be permitted to work where and for whomever. So he could work anywhere he wanted to. And I, I'm not condoning what took place back in the day, but I think you just need to understand uh, uh, what's, uh, what he's saying. He, he could secure better wages in Ohio. So he leaves Virginia, goes to Ohio, and when freedom came, he was still in debt to his master at about $300. And although the Emancipation Proclamation freed him legally from any obligation to his master, this man walked most of the way back to where his old master lived in Virginia and placed the last dollar with interest in his hands. And Washington said this, he said, in, in talking to me about this, the man told me that he knew that he did not have to pay his debt, but that he had given his word to his master and his word he had never broken. He felt that he could not enjoy his freedom until he had fulfilled his promise. And really the point for us this morning is this, that since Christ is even better at keeping his promises than this fellow, don't you think he will follow through for us too in what he said he will do for eternity? We know he will. 
Mankind is not perfect. Man, mankind, we, we are not perfect, but we know that he is. He is the ultimate of perfection. And as we wrap up this morning, friends, let Christ, let Christ rule in your heart. Let him rule not only in your heart that it just becomes an inside thing as we talk to the Lord and then when we get out into our jobs in our world that we just leave it there and we don't let it come through our lives. We need to be able to let Christ rule in our heart and to rule to such a level that it comes out in our actions, in our living, and how we inter engage with people around us. Hold fast and firm to the love and faithfulness you have for the Lord. Hold fast to it. Don't let others pull you into what is false, but know the word of God and stand firm in it. Know that the Jezebels of the church world today will be judged for those who follow their corruption. It'll happen. Those things will be around, but don't let that cause you to turn away from the one who gives life and hope. And always... Always, no matter the case, always be willing to turn back to the Lord if you step off God's path or if someone misleads you to turn away. Allow the Lord to walk with you in your life. Trust in the Lord. Allow the Lord to speak into your life and continue to give you hope. Friends, love God. Love people and inspire hope to those around you. You are an influencer. I don't know who you are out there inside of your heart and your mind. I see you from here, you know, I, I know that I see you. I may know your name, but that's, that's fine. But, but God sees you for who you are. And uh, remember that he has called you to influence this world. Don't be influenced by the things around you that will pull you out of his pathway. Love God, love people, and inspire hope. Father, I pray for each person here in this place this morning. I pray, Father God, that you would speak into the heart of each one. Father, we realize that we are just, we are human beings. We've been called, we've been chosen, you formed us, you made us, you knit us together in our mother's womb as you tell us in your word. Father God, you have chosen each and every one of us. Help us to be able to keep our focus on you. Help us to be those who persevere. For those that, that keep running and keep walking, when we, when we can't keep running, we, we, if we have to crawl, then we crawl. If we limp, we limp. But we're going to keep going because we're going to keep following you and trusting you because you are good. And Father, we give you thanks this morning. We offer ourselves to you today, Lord that you may do in us what you want to do in us, that you may tr transform our hearts and our minds as we yield ourselves to you, Father. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.